to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know you really viewing greatness in the making. Double up on facts, we stating. Podcasting, cruise control, city, state, the nation. So what you saying? What we saying? Prime information. Facts, keys to the city. We unlocking the statements. Streaming every Friday. And we are back. Ted, you better put that damn phone down and put your sound down because I can already hear me echoing. Don't start with me already. I'm just sharing the video. If you don't like it, get the hell out. I'm just kidding. I'm just just going after you for a sec. My goodness. He's very jumpy today. I guess he's a little jumpy. I know because the draft is six days away. But, yes, we're talking NFL draft. We're not starting with the New York Yankees. We're starting off with Big Blue. We're going to talk about the New York Giants and Kyle Pitts. We all know the quarterbacks. We're – they're the coveted. They're always coveted every year. But Kyle Pitts, this is the guy that we've all been talking, is the, maybe the best player in this entire draft. How coveted is he with around all these teams? And then we'll talk about the New York Yankees, once again, struggling to just get on base. But, yes, the Joseph McGuire. You didn't watch, you didn't watch the game last night. Oh, oh, I did. I saw a boy, Higgy, full-time starter. Let's go. We're, we got to get a petition, Joe. Full-time Higgy catcher. We need Higgy as catcher. <laughs> I love to get Joe and get Joe a little agitated. But we are going to start off, and like I said before we get into the Yankees, we're going to start off with Big Blue. And, you know, everybody likes to say, oh, is trading back the way to go? We saw we saw this clip from Dave Gettleman, and you know what? It gave me a little more um, respect towards Gettleman. I want you to take a listen to what he had to say about trading back, and then we'll talk about it. Tried in the past. I, I honest, honest. I've tried to trade back, but it, it's going to be value. I'm not getting fleeced. I, I refuse to do it. And if you know somebody wants to make a bad trade back, God bless them. And but you know we've had opportunities. I've tried, you know, and there. Are... You listen to him right there. The key word of that whole thing is getting fleeced. And everybody likes to talk about, oh, just trade back. We pick up assets. It's all nice and nice. But, you know, the reality of all that is some of those pieces that you trade back for, they don't ever pan out. So you hear about what Gettleman has to say, and he's 100% correct. You don't want to get fleeced. And trading back. Now, Ted, you'll probably just say, well, if your guy's there at 11, why don't you just take him? So is trading back, I'll start with Ted, and then we'll get to Joe. Ted, is trading back the best solution? And it's a two-part question, should Big Blue trade back? So I'm going to reverse this. So should Big Blue trade back? They should if they can, depending Mm -hmm. on what they're getting for value, like he explained. Now, listen, if you watch the rest of that clip, he goes into explaining a little bit more in detail with regards to, hey, listen, say you want the kid Kitty Play, right, from Michigan. Now, you don't feel like he's at 11, and you're going to trade back with New England at 15. Now, what's to say Pay is going to be there at 15? Because what's to say someone else doesn't jump up at 13 or 14 and take the guy you want? So it doesn't always work out. Now, you hope so. You want picks. Now, I explained... Uh, to you, Trev, the other day that the Giants are going to be in some sour cap situation of hell next year, but we'll worry about that next year when it comes into fruition. Mm-hmm. Should trading back to the best solution? No, it's not always the best solution. Because if you know you have a guy, now listen, I'm going to use Joe as an example. Joe's on my big board, right? He's the number one on my big board. He's there at 11. I, I like him. Take him. Why do I need to yeah, that's a, yeah. and hope he's there? Because there is no guarantee that he will be there because it's happened to us before, Trevor. We were talking before Joe got on the show when the Giants were going to take Leonard Floyd out of Georgia. 
and he got mm-hmm. taken in front of the Giants. And then I think it was the year after they wanted Zach Conklin, and someone no, jumped up. Right- no, it was back-to-back picks. It was okay. Tennessee, Tennessee, and the Bears jumped the Giants. It's the year the Giants took Eli Apple at ten, but they wanted Conklin or they wanted Floyd, and both of those guys were gone. And and now listen, Floyd hasn't really panned out. Conklin did. And then we know Eli Apple never really panned out for the Giants because he's not on the roster. Now, I have this in the post, and I underlined it just so I would be on point. It said, they use the example, if New England wanted to come up from 15 to 11, right? It said, in 2018, the Raiders moved up from 15 to 10 in the first round and gave the Cardinals two additional picks, one in the third and one in the fifth. So where the, where the Giants stand right now is they have a pick at 116 and then another, another pick until 196. So if they could pick up those extra two-round picks where the Giants need still more depth at, at on this team, then you do so. If not, you take the guy that you want right then and there, and then you, mo- and you move on, and then you figure out down the road where you want to go. My thing is this. Picks are a diamond dozen. I'd rather get the five guarantee or four or five guys that I want, and that's it. I'm not worried about, well, if I get 12 picks, who cares about the 12 picks? Half of them probably not going to make the roster. I want the guys that I know I want guaranteed, boom, start day one. Joe, is it more important for the Giants in the situation this year to trade back because of the? they're one of the few teams, I think, other than Seattle, the Giants and somebody else, I believe, the Giants only have six picks this draft. So is it more valuable for them to trade back this year from past years, would you say? If they value all of those edge guys the same Mm -hmm. and don't care ultimately which one they get, kind of seeing them all with upside and as kind of, you know, project guys, if you will. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, then I think it makes sense. Grab a, a you know you can get another pick in the third round, something like that. Great, you know, add a little bit of depth. Um, yeah, I I mean my my feeling is that the Giants don't love any one of those guys. That's all I'm, I think. I'm, they, I'm, I think I'm, they think they like them. And again, I mean, I we've talked about it. I mean, they they all have some shortcomings or another that you know is it, there's 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 no elite guy here. Mm-hmm. There's a couple guys with the potential to be elite, and and ultimately it's going to come down to the to the Giants. See it. The other thing is, what happens if one of those receivers is there at eleven? Would the Giants make that move? So again, I, I think the Giants are in a good spot. As I said before, Teddy, and I'll say it again, I think the Giants literally wait till their slot comes up, and they've got fifteen minutes to really figure out exactly what the move is going to be. Or maybe he's already, maybe he already knows what he's doing and he just doesn't want to play his hand. It's like playing possum. You got to, you got to play dead. And then, because I can, we've talked about, I can see a lot of trades in this draft right now. And a lot of that is going to be predetermined with the quarterbacks. Cause you might not see a defensive player taken in the first 10 picks, which is really unheard of in today's game. But this is how dominant of offensive draft this is because the way I look at it is all five quarterbacks are going to go within the first 10 to 11 pick easily. And we were talking before, even before the show, does Kyle Trask or Kevin Mond, Kellen Mond get drafted late in this, uh, in the first round. So you could talk about six, seven quarterbacks, maybe in the first round, easily the two linemen Slater and Penny Sewell are going to go in the top 10 picks. And then you got the three receivers with chase Devonte Smith, and uh, Jalen Waddle, and of course Kyle Pitts, who might be the best player overall in this draft, only behind Trevor Lawrence. So I think the Giants sit perfectly at where they're at, and I think it's a it's a win win because 
Trevor, we talked about this. They can either go offensive lineman and maybe take the kid, uh, Variety, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC, because I think the other two kids are going to be gone, Slater and Penny Sewell. You could take another weapon and say, hey, listen, let's get as many weapons around around so, Daniel Jones, so or, or you could take the pass rusher and trade back and – like Joe was saying, I've seen from reports that I've watched that I've looked on Instagram, Twitter, and all social media accounts. Thank you very much for all those helpful rumors. That's why they're called rumors. It seems like the Giants maybe go edge. They're enamored with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, and they don't plan on going offensive line. So I don't know what to buy into. They they don't seem too high and too interested with um, offensive line this year. It seems like I think it's more receiver or is. Um, edge rusher and the name that you've been hearing a lot too is with pay um, Jalen Phillips from Miami and Aegea Lugere from Georgia are the three names that come to not come to mind probably the three best pass rushers here's my thing about Jalen Phillips if they wanted to trade back I think the kid has all pro potential but it's very scary to know that the guy's one concussion away from being retired he didn't have injury an injury issue or history I should say too the guy's probably a top five pick this year. I mean, he's that talented. He was a number one recruit coming out of high school. And he went to UCLA and then transferred to Miami and then sat out and then played this year. We had a, a great season at eight sacks, and he was really good. But the concern is, is the is, um, injury issue. And then you say, uh, yeah, the concussions. And you know how it is nowadays with concussions, especially in the NFL. But I think the Giants are looking to trade back because, plain and simple, they're – they like the edge rushers. I don't think they're in love with the edge rushers. You got to be in love with the player. If you're going to stay pat at where you're at, you got to love that prospect. And I don't feel like the Giants, they like them, but they don't love them. Where I've seen the Giants are enamored with Devontae Smith and love Jalen Waddell. So is that something to keep our eyes on? I don't know. But I don't if know I, I, mean, I know everybody I thinks that trading back is always the smartest thing. Sometimes it's not. But in the case of the Giants this year, since they have a lack of draft picks this year, wouldn't be the worst. They only have they only have six picks. Yeah, I know they're one of the, yeah. Other than Seattle and I think somebody else, they're tied with like the Packers for the second lowest in the draft. That's concerning for a team, and that's why I asked Joe if they if they should consider trading back. I mean, I know it's six days away. It's I can't believe it's uh, it's fine. It's going to be here next week. I can't wait. I'm this so excited. Late, you know what you know what today is, Trev? Right? Did you see your Facebook memories? Yeah, it's April twenty third. Yeah, we were we were the draft was last year. The, today was the draft last year. Was it? Go. You guess you look at your Facebook memories. We did a mock draft show before the thing, and the draft was tonight. I just I just thought you would have shared it on Facebook. You're you're very reliable with that, with the memories. So I thought you well, would. I have, I have adult responsibilities that I'm trying to take care of. Hold on. Right. What do you think this is? I was going to yell out. I was going to yell. This is the day, 1987, when Don Beller got his 1,000th career RBI. But <laughs> he played for the Red Sox, right? Played for a lot of teams, including yeah, the Yanks. He was Red a pretty Sox, good manager yeah. for the Colorado Rockies. Oh yeah, dude, he was a good baseball guy. Can Definitely. I can I ask can I ask you guys a question? Because I know you Go don't ahead. have it on the topic. Do either one of you guys have a problem with them taking another receiver? Either no. one of the Waddles or Smith. No, and I'll tell you why. Because you know what? Instantly, I mean, that guy's returning kicks and punts. I think um, I would I would I would have no, him I mean I think Waddle can be a game. I'd rather just leave I'd rather just leave Peppers uh in the backfield there in the secondary rather uh, I know what you mean. My, big thing, my big thing is 
Why still say, yeah, you can have all the weapons in the world, and I keep saying, and I'm going to literally stick to that. You can have all the weapons in the world. If you don't have an offensive line to protect your quarterback, I don't care how great your weapons are. And if anybody thinks it's crazy, just go ask the Kansas City Chiefs who just got their asses kicked in front of the whole entire world. My bet is that the Giants in the middle rounds will load up on offensive linemen. Again, I mean, with the really good class for uh, offensive linemen. Yeah, again, I think again with the idea of you know maybe you add two or three more guys, maybe you sub, maybe you, maybe you cut Hernandez finally. But I think they're looking to add depth there and the work that rotation. I think they really like that a lot, and I think yeah, that's going to become the Giants' thing. Watch. See, and I was surprised, Trevor. The reason why I asked that because I was surprised, you know, when the reports you were sending me. Was Joe, I figured, okay, maybe at 11, they take the kid Elijah Vera Tucker, who played one of tackle this year for USC. I wrote down a stat for Trevor, and so I had the actual stats. You know, Trevor makes fun of me. So ESPN has like a little insider where, based on where your team's selecting, you pick quarterback, running back, receiver, and then what, they're the best at pass blocking, the best at run blocking from inside or outside. So the best interior run blocker was Elijah Vera Tucker. He had nine blown plays over three seasons. That's 1,452 snaps. Only six players in uh, college football had done that. So he, he can play guard. He played left tackle for USC. He's really reliable, really good. I said I was wondering if the Giants would take him at 11, move him at right guard where Zeitler would. You have Lemieux or Hernandez at left tackle. You still got Pert. You brought back Soldier, and you have the kid Thomas at left tackle. So now you have great depth. You have a lot of young linemen. Now you build within. And listen, we have Saquon Barkley. I'd like to run the ball too. You know what I mean? I like to run the ball to more than two and a half yards of carry. And then I said in the second round, the Giants come back and take one of the pass rushers, which I think, I think one of the two or three might fall. Maybe Phillips. I could see Phillips falling, Trev, because of the concussion. And that listen, it's different than an ACL. I think a lot of coaches and teams would be more comfortable if he was coming from an ACL tier than concussions because he did yeah, retire. No. He did partially retire when he played for UCLA, and then he ended up transferring to Miami this year. Can I this question before we get into You could get Gregory Rousseau maybe in the early second round because the Giants have an early second round pick. Maybe the kid from Penn State, uh, Jason Oway, who, listen, he ran a 4-3-6 in the 40-yard dash and a 42-inch vertical jump. He can fly. Listen, you put him on third down – you let him just come off the edge because there's going to be no tackle that's going to be able to withstand that speed. So there is some later round depth in pass rush. And now you sure up your offensive line, your defense line, which are your two biggest holes. It's not like you don't have John Ross, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Lane, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph. I mean, it's not like there is no weapons there. So either way, I'm excited for the Giants draft, maybe more so this year because of the excitement of seeing if Daniel Jones is going to pan out. Because this is probably our – what, Trev, maybe our best offensive team we've seen in the last couple of years since maybe the OBJ teams that had yeah, players? Yeah, but that was the problem that they had. They had offensive line issues. Let me ask you this question, both of you, before we get into the next part of the NFL draft. Next week, percentage-wise, the Giants are picking at 11. Where do you think? What do you say? I see it's going gonna, it's gonna to be based on the quarterback is because if the quarterbacks go fast, here's, here's the thing. I'll say this. And then Which it looks like it's going to, if the, the, you know, the quarterbacks are going one, two and three, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't land up either take the quarterback or to some like Denver, New England trade up to four to get the quarterback because now there's only one left. And now you're saying, okay, all five quarterbacks are going to be gone by eight because I can see Detroit trading out or Carolina trading out and someone up, hurry up and get in Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Mac Jones, whoever that fifth quarterback is. All right. Mm-hmm. So then I think, okay, then the Giants sit pretty at 11 and take their player. But if a couple of those quarterbacks start falling, 
then I see the Giants being able to trade out because, listen, four quarterbacks are taken within the four picks. There's only one player left. And now you're looking at, does Miami trade back? Does Detroit trade back? Does Carolina trade back? Because now you know teams are going to be screaming for that last quarterback. But if, like you were saying before, and if Mac Jones or Trevor Lance, I mean, Trey Lance is falling and he's there at 8, 9, 10, now Giants pick becomes more valuable to trade back. But I'll still say this, the Giants will take the pick probably at 11 more so. I'll say 75% they take the pick at 11. 25% they trade back. Simple number would have been just fine for that, but okay. I'm going to go 75-25 that they actually do trade back. I think the fact that he felt the need to address it in a press conference tells me that it's something he's that trying he, to. he's listen, trying the, to. right. The idea that he entered, he's, he's clearly entertaining the thought. Otherwise he would have been like, whatever. Well, Joe, because, Joe, because they've been pressing him because it's the myth. He's made 58 selections as a GM and has never traded back. So, you know, it becomes a myth. It becomes a mythology. Like you just don't like traded back. Right. It's like Ohio state quarterbacks and right. I mean, it's the same it yep. could be Alabama quarterbacks. Name me a last Alabama quarterback that was good. No, it's, right? only, Ohio it's only at Ohio State that Ohio State quarterbacks. Uh, two hasn't proved anything yet. Well, but that's what everybody says. It's only at Ohio State. It's only at Ohio State, according to the the experts. But you got 75-25. Okay, trade. You got 75-25. They stay at 11. I'm going to go with 60-40. I'm going to go 60-40. No, I'm going to go 60-40. I'm going to lean towards trade. I don't. I think that Gettleman is trying. I actually believe him. I think he's trying to really trade back because he doesn't value – if there was an edge rusher that was something that was like a Chase – not a Chase Young, but somebody that's like, like all pro where you get these guys, you got Pay, you got Phillips and Alojure and even Rosa, who are good, but are they great? And to hear him say that he's been trying to trade back, maybe he's really serious. Maybe he's trying to, but that I think it's 100%. It comes down to where the quarterbacks is. This all could change at three. If they go Justin Fields, then it gets interesting. If, if Mac Jones, I mean, there's a lot that's going to happen with that three pick. That's the most interesting pick in this entire draft because a lot will be telling once we get into that three, and then I, we think get into four. I think four is more interesting to be honest. Well, no, it's I more think. because of San Fran because you don't know. I mean, they say Mac Jones, but you don't know exactly if it's going to be Mac Jones. Could be Trey Lance. Could be Fields. You don't know that. It's weird because when you sent me the Vegas odds on Instagram, Joe, like a week ago, and he said, so Justin Fields was minus like 140, right? And Mac Jones had dropped. Well, they showed on ESPN last night, Mac Jones was now the favorite. Then it was Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Now, if you guys saw the other day, do you know who ran Trey Lance's pro day the other day? San Francisco. The 49ers. They controlled the whole the whole pro day. They did, yeah, they did that. that. Yeah, but they did that with Fields too. Oh no, no, no. There was other coaches there. This was a primary 49ers one-on-one session. And I think he's Trey Lance is the biggest wild card because if you read all the reports, he has the biggest up, he has the highest upside because he's mentally smart enough. Physically, he's strong. He's built like a tank, and he's got if not the best arm in the draft that they've been talking about. So he's got the highest upside of any of these quarterbacks. He just only has 17 games of, you know, division one. I don't care. Justin Fields all day. Give me Justin Fields. That's it. Plain simple. Trey Lance is a better Justin Fields. Yeah, settle down. Okay, settle down. You about your Ohio State narrative. There's your Ohio State naysayers again. Don't, don't talk well, about Justin North, North Dakota State. If Justin Fields was so good, why can't he win the job at Georgia? 
Because I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing to say. I guess what? Well, competitors stay there. He decided to transfer out and take the easy way and go to Ohio State. Go the easy way. He wanted to go to Ohio State where he only lost two games. He lost two games at Ohio State. That's all right. So what's that have to do with anything? I mean, I could have played a quarterback for Ohio State. He's nearly per- I don't know about that, Ted. Well, no, Mac Jones, Mac Jones didn't lose any games. What'd you say? What'd you say? I said Mac Jones didn't lose any games. He needed to trade Lance. Well, yeah, well, he played one. That's a little easier to do. But- well, no, Trey Lance and Mac Jones played the exact amount of games. Both played 17 games. Trey Lance, never, right. Trey Lance never threw a pick. Jones only threw yeah. four. Trey Lance was also playing with People who don't really know how to play football. I mean, I, well, stop. I, I, come on. Gotta fill out there. Bison of oh. North Dakota State. Yeah, That's a, a powerhouse. That's a powerhouse there. Come on. They're the Alabama of the FCS. They're nasty. But let's get into we've been talking about quarterbacks. We've been talking about the edge rushers. There's one player that has been probably considered the best prospect in this entire entire draft. Yes, even over Trevor Lawrence, and that's Kyle Pitts. And now we all know that the quarterback position is covered. That's that's the foregone conclusion. We know that. But a tight end, I know he's not he's a tight end and his title says tight end, but this guy is unlike anything we've ever seen. He's 6-6, runs a 4-4. He's reliable. Ted, you to, you told me a stat, didn't have one listen to this Joe. Told me a stat last year did not have a dropped pass. When the ball came, when coming to catches, zero Never dropped the ball. So he's dependable. He's reliable. This guy, and you've been hearing it more now, and that Atlanta pick, we just talked about San France pick. Atlanta pick, that's the one that, are they going to take Kyle Pitts or are they taking a quarterback? And if not, who's the team that's going to trade up to him? Or is it the Dolphins that are going to say, is this the most coveted player without question in this draft? I mean, I think it's pretty easy to answer. Yes. I mean, Joe, you agree, right, bud? I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, although it's interesting. You said we've never seen anything like him. And I thought, well, yes, we actually have him. And then you ticked off what he did. And then the last thing you said was consistency. And I see what you did there. And so, yes, <laughs> this guy's exceptional. I, here's the thing, right? The fact that Giants fans are like, get rid of Ingram and draft that guy, which really, skill set wise, you're talking about the same guy. Oh, right? in college, yeah. It's, hold on, I'm just saying, it's like when the Giants, the Giants re-signed Leonard Williams, and you're like, yes, this defense just got better today. <laughs> nope, stays exactly the same, it, but it doesn't take a step back. Um, look at those top three teams, right? They're so bad that it's unfortunate for them that they can't even consider taking this like generational talent that Kyle Pitts is. That's how bad those teams are. Because Joe, I said, if the Jets took the kept with Donald, which I thought might've been a good plan, I would have took Pitts at two. Yeah. And now you give him, now you give him the inline receiver and tight end, another weapon with the receivers that they already currently have on the team. And, and, and here's another thing. He's a willing blocker. I don't have the, I should have wrote down the stat. There's a great article on ESPN. Don't worry about it. But his blocking is actually really, I, I read it and whatever. I, wasn't thinking was, I didn't know we were talking about him today, but he's, a, he's actually an efficient blocker too and a willing blocker. So it's not like he can't block. 
He is phenomenal. If I'm Miami, I'm taking him. There, I mean, I run up to the clock as fast as Washington took. I mean, he's like the Chase Young of last year. Like, he's the no-doubter. Mm-hmm. He is a no-doubter. If I'm Cincinnati, I because of what Joe, Trev, what you sent me, Joe Burrow tearing his ACL last year and getting beat up as much as he did early in that season, you got to protect him. He's he's no good to you on the sidelines. You need to protect him. That's why they should take the alignment. I don't care who you take. If it's Sewell, Slater, take one yeah, of the linemen. Cincinnati, Cincinnati you, would be full. You still have weapons. You still have Boyd. You still have T. Angus. You can go get a receiver in the second round or someone else. There's You can always get great depth later in the rounds at skill positions. There's a lot of great skill positions at wide receiver. Go protect your quarterback. Okay, if their offensive line was more sure, I would say take Kyle Pitts without a question of a doubt. But Miami, without 1,000% to take Kyle Pitts, he's a Florida guy. He's right down the street in Miami. You're going to get all those fans. It'll it'll just – and it only will help tool out down the road. Um, but this kid is phenomenal. I mean, they had m- – Multiple guys on ESPN and then Fox Sports says if there was a Hall of Fame player, your gold jacket guy that you would take in this draft, it's Pitts. It's not even close, they said, even over Trevor Lawrence because of the quarterback of the unsure of how quarterbacks pan out with teams. I mean, he's just – I mean, I guess George Kittle and a bunch of other guys. I mean, he has 6'6", 245 pounds. Athletic catches the ball. All I mean, his ability to his wingspan. I mean, he does everything great. And the only difference between him being the label tight end receiver is about 15 pounds. I mean, he's like Calvin Johnson. That I mean, you remember Calvin Johnson? Calvin Johnson. Reason why he didn't go number one, he was a receiver. That's what we're talking about here. That is exactly what we're talking about. I mean, you got a tight end runs a four four. And look at the game now. If you know anything about football, tight ends have reinvented the game more so than receivers. You can get receivers later around. But guys like George Kittle, guys like Gronk, guys like Kelsey, Darren Waller for Oakland, this is what the Giants hoped what Evan Ingram would be do. Be able to get a tight end that – Jimmy Graham, bro. I mean, do you remember how good Jimmy Graham was with the Saints? I mean, he was yep. unstoppable. He, he's he's Burris. I mean, I remember when Jeremy Shockey came out and – and I was dying for the Giants. And when he, the Giants took him, I could not be happier. I mean, he, Joe, remember that? I mean, 20 years ago, that, that was like, I mean, run people over, catch the ball. I mean, just phenomenal. And you didn't see that because you were used to like Ben Coates and, and guys that just, they block well, and they get five yards. Well, out. so don't forget the Giants had that guy well before it was a thing named Mark Bavaro. And that's what the position eventually became, a, a pass-catching guy that could shake off tacklers and outrun linebackers down the field. So, He's yeah, I mean. That's a nightmare for anyone in the league. And here's the other thing. You're so, and he's such a valuable asset to a quarterback. The tight end, I mean, look what Witten did for Romo's career. And, and you look at some of these Would Atlanta take him at four? Listen, they should, but they won't. And because their issues are so much greater than just that. Are they you trading I mean? back? Are they trade? Are you a suggestion they are yeah, trading? Either back? Dallas is coming up to get him or Denver's coming up to four to go get a quarterback. That's the two teams. I don't think they take pits. And they're not taking, I don't think they'll take a quarterback, but I could see it. But I think Miami takes pits. I think pits goes six. I was if you were doing a mock draft right now, over, I, think over, over Chase? I think a lineman goes five and I think Pitts goes six. Over Chase? Yes, absolutely. 
And it's not that Chase isn't valuable enough. I just think the difference between Pitts and anyone else is so much greater. And I think he's a Florida guy, too. It'll help out Miami. They can go double tight ends with Gusecki out of Penn State, who's like 6'8 himself. He's like, a you know, I mean, that's I – mean, you think about how great the Patriots were when they had Hernandez and Gronk. You know what I mean? I mean, you it changes the whole ball game because as a defense, you don't know how to line up. Do you line up in big personnel – you know, four linemen, three linebackers, and now you've got two tight ends that can outrun your linebackers and you don't, you have a mismatch. Or do you go nickel, but now you have two tight ends who can out-muscle your smaller defensive backs? It's it's a lose-lose for the defense. And you and as an offensive team like Miami who's looking to expand, it's only going to help Tua grow as the quarterback that they hope he's going to be. If Justin Fields is there at four, does Atlanta take him? I don't think I, I heard either. That I what I from when I was listening to I think it was Diana Rossini last night. It was either quarterback or trade for Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, again, dude, if that guy falls into your lap at four, it's like, ooh. I mean, hell, Miami, you're at Miami. You traded back from three to six, and you could probably get the best player in the draft. You're sitting there pretty with the options of taking Chase, Smith, Waddle, or Pitts. You could probably also move Matt Ryan to somebody. No, they're not going to trade Matt Ryan. You no, uh, gonna, hold, on, gonna, hold on, hold on, hold on. Contract is hold on. I understand it's a big contract. There are teams that have money. And again, this is a quarterback driven league. Mm-hmm. He's still got some value. I'm just saying, if you take fields at four, again, you could keep, let him, let him ride the pine behind Ryan for a year. Maybe you do that again. There's plenty of value in that guy. Could just swap him for somebody uh, on defense. I would take Lance. Oh, and the I mean, reason why I take Lance over Fields at four is because the pressure of having Justin Fields sitting there, a Georgia-born kid, the first game Matt Ryan loses or has a bad game, the pressure of putting Justin Fields in will be greater. Where Trey Lance, there'll be no expectation for him to play a year this year, which means your salary cap and dead cap is going to go down next year, which will be you'll be able to move Matt Ryan even better next year. Because no one's moving Matt Ryan's contract this year because the dead cap on Atlanta and his overall money is way too drastic. It's like trying to move Aaron Rodgers. You just can't do it this year. Next year, you can see Atlanta, and there's no pressure to play Trey Lance right now. Teddy, in this scenario, we just we 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 put Mac Jones at three. You just put uh Lance at four. Now we're dropping Justin Fields to five. And then he's not going to go to Cincinnati. That's that's where Fields goes to eight, where New England calls Carolina. Carolina goes back, gets value, more trade assets, still gets a player that they need. New England comes to get Fields. He sits behind Cam Newton for for half the season. Cam Newton gets hurt because he always gets hurt, and Justin Fields takes over. And And think about hold on, quick thing. And the Patriots win the the Super Bowl. Is there if you Bill Belichick? Quick thing before I go to the Yankees, is it something or nothing? Nothing that um, the new head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Sirianni, has not gone fully with Jalen Hurts. Is that something to think about? That maybe Philly is still looking no. at a quarterback. They might want to trade up. Say one of those guys fall. Do they? I mean, you got Flacco. You no. got Flacco and Hurts. No, it's a nothing thing. This is what listen. They had um they had a former player on. He goes, this is what new coaches do. They oh, it's a former Buck player. I think it was even Booger. He goes, I remember the first day John Gruden walked into that Buccaneers team meeting. First day he goes, 
everyone's spot is open on this roster. I want full competition. He goes, and there was Derek Brooks there. He goes, there was Warren Sapp and John Lynn. Those three guys are in the Hall of Fame, and you're saying everyone's spot's open. But that's what you have to breed in as a new coach. We're going to have competition. Hey, does anybody have- remember? If anybody remembers closely, doesn't everybody remember what Joe Judge said last year too? Absolutely. Now, Everybody, he had no names. He said he didn't say Daniel Jones's name or Saquon Barkley's name for a long time, and everybody was freaking out. You know what? One last thought. You know, Wayne Gallman signed with San Francisco yesterday, and I saw a lot of Giants fans were like super bummed. You know, he played okay last year and clearly didn't impress the Giants enough to warrant coming back. And anybody who's like in love with Wayne Gallman. He had two good games last year. That was it. And it was his chance to really step up and prove that he was like a guy who could be a spot starter. I don't think he convinced the Giants brass at all. And that's the reason why Devontae Booker's in and he's out. He almost almost, uh, gave us a better draft pick when he fumbled that ball. It's like the the, uh, New York Yankee fans with Austin Romine and now Kyle Higashiawa trying to get a new center or a new catcher, I should say. Let's go, Higgy. Petition to Higgy for the starter, right, Joe? But since we're talking and I bring up the New York Yankees, I think we're going to have to talk about. Oh, we shouldn't call them the Bronx Bombers because right now they're they just they're just the Bronx. They're just from the Bronx. That's it. We can't even call them the Bronx Bombers because the Bronx baseball team. The Bronx, the yeah, the Washington. Washington football team, yeah. we'll call it the New York baseball team. And no, we're not talking about the Mets. We're talking about the New York Yankees because, well, the offense last night, they got out to a nice win, a 6-3 win over the Indians. But then we'll see how tonight goes. It's like the other night. They beat the um, Braves, and they come back, and they have a dud of a, a performance. This team has been too inconsistent. The offense is still way too up and down. How concerned should we be? I know I've been saying it, and I've seen people, oh, I didn't know baseball season ends in 18 games. I guess the season's over. It's not that it's a. It's not that we're overreacting, and we said this at the beginning of the year. It's more of just we've been seeing this on repeat for three, four years now that it's kind of getting frustrated to a point that you're saying, okay, what the hell's going on? What's with Aaron Boone in the lineup changes and the wrong lineups and, and players struggling, benching? You see a lot of like almost Joe, you like to call you called it yesterday, almost desperation moves. So yeah. I'll start okay. with you. How concerned should you be uh, should the New York Yankees be with this struggling offense? Ready for shocking stat number one? Yes. Yankees. I got a stat for you after you give that stat. The Yankees, uh, okay. Let's the, statistics, the Yankees have a major league leading on base percentage of 303. Wait, that's good. That's great. The Yankees have the highest team on base percentage in all of baseball. Which means there's a lot the of problem is <laughs> they're leaving guys on base. Uh, in the 18 games the Yankees have played so far, they've trailed in 15 of them. Do you that's know what's the worst night? percentage in baseball? Do you know last night was the first time they scored five runs since April 11th, which was against the Rays? And the first time since April 11th that they were down by three and came back to win the baseball game. Or down three runs in a game and win the baseball game. Just another stat. The team for Bronx scoring five runs since April 11th, so almost 11 days ago. A 184 batting average in the last 10 games. So, I mean, guys are getting on base. They're just not doing anything with them. And by the way... Trevor, the Yankees are eight and one when Kyle Agasioka hits a home run. 
He yeah, leads got, all catchers. He, he leads all catchers in slugging percentage and OPS right now with a minimum of 20 plate appearances. I love it. We um, gotta get the petition going, Joe. We gotta get it going. My really? my serious thing is, let me ask you, is is there a player? I shouldn't just say the team because it's too vague to say the team. The whole team is struggling. But is there a player that you're specifically looking at that you're concerned with right now so far throughout the early in the season? Well, so here, look. Last night, I think, was a great game for the Yankees. They looked like the bad news bears in the first inning. Mm-hmm. Domingo Herman looked like it was going to be maybe another another shuttle back to the altern- alternate site, right? It, it this That was bad. Yeah. They got it together. They played a lot better the rest of the night. Glaber had three hits. You, you want to see that. He hustled. Right? Hustled around right for the triple. The, the, uh, every everything you wanted last night. This team hadn't come back and and won a game all year to be down three early on the road in Cleveland, a place that for the last decade or so they've really struggled there. Yeah, they were facing one of the better pitchers in baseball. In in please stack. So even kids been pitching great. So. There was a lot of the, the Yankees could have quit last night and and it could have been another beatdown and we'd be having a different conversation. This could be one of those wins, I think, well, that sort of turns things around. Back. Last night was um last night was uh, was it Savali? Aaron Savali. Tonight My is bad. Allen and uh Saturday, which is a six ten, is Cole versus Bieber. Wow, Cole versus Bebo and tomorrow. That's great. gonna be Sorry, awesome. Yeah, and, sorry. No, you know what, Savali. I, I, I knew Savali has been pitching well. So Sorry, but what's that again, Trevor? Who's pitching tonight for the Yanks? Uh, tonight. Well, that's Thursday. So tonight is Jordan Montgomery, who's one and one with a four point two four, versus Logan Allen, with a, who's one and two with a four point five ERA. Um, listen. Last night was just seeing because you could see a little bit more excitement in the team. You could see that the pressure is hitting them and the fans calling out Glaver the other night. He hustled more. Listen, Higgy hit a shot to dead center last week, last night. Hit a ball right field, take the ball the opposite way for a double. Makes contact. He's going to start against Saturday. He's going to get majority of the starts this weekend. Listen, just hey, do what you're supposed to do, man. When you get the opportunity to start, make the most of it. Do I think he's going to be, should be, or will be the everyday catcher? Probably not, because Gary still is a better overall catcher talent wise. He's just not playing well. I sent you a stat last night. Last 12 at bats for Gary Sanchez, over 12. Joe, what was that other stat you told me beforehand, how he started and how he's played last at bats? You gave me that stat? Uh, yes, Sanchez in the first two games of the year was three for seven, a 420 on average, two homers, three RBI. In the oh, last man. 12, he's six for 38. That's a 158 average with just one singular RBI. So, Joe, what's his batting average at right now? <laughs> What's the uh, two, I think it was at I'm 220, look, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. No, but it's way, no, it's like 200 because they have four guys below 200. That was so. Here's listen, Gary Sanchez for his career is averaging 44 homers and 108 RBIs per 162 games. So, mm-hmm. take that for what it's worth. I don't have a problem with them splitting time. I really don't. I mean, that happened to Jorge Posada until 2000. Yeah, I mean, I don't listen, there's, I don't, you know, what, you, if you're not, win. if you're not Gary's hitting. At, Gary's at a solid 200. Yeah, like, there you go. It. Well, so again, he's he's a streaky guy. I mean. But you know what the problem is? There's a streaky, streaky guy. guy. 
Stan is a streaky guy. See, this is the thing. He's a streaky guy. No, he's not. He's a very streaky hitter. Gary Sanchez, Gary Sanchez goes on tears in short seasons where he doesn't play a lot of games. The two injury seasons last year going on a tear. Nonsense, dude. This guy can hit. He can hit. He was great the first two games. Joe, he didn't go on a tear for sixty something games last year. And now he's what well, he, he third of the season. Maybe the second thirty would have got super hot. He went, so he, he, went on a tier, he went on a tear for the first two games. In the last twelve games, he's really gone on a tear. Fucking it's a little cold. He's, in, he's like a beer in hibernation. Him, he, here's the thing: he is so bad, right? Him and Stan, they're automatic counts. Trev, I joked when I was washing my dishes the other night at work. I walked out. I go, him and Sanchez. I said. I'll say what dad said to me in youth baseball when I was struggling. He goes, just stick your face in front of the ball and help the team out and get on back. Just do something. <laughs> That's what my father told me. I, I had like gone out like 27 times. Around. I, could play baseball. I just was struggling. I had been moved up for the minors and majors. And I couldn't hit because I have great swing. Just I love it. You got, every, you got everybody. My eyes, my you eyes were in the field. Saying, you got everybody saying, bless me. See, because once you start talking Gary Sanchez, Joe, my it's Trev, over. But Joe, literally, I swear to God, Trev knows this story. My father told me, just stick your face in front of the ball. At least help your team out get on base. I mean, yeah. they don't know. Here's the thing. Stan and um, Judge, I'm uh, sorry, Stan and Sanchez, they don't even walk, bro. I mean, they don't, they don't even make contact. Well, you Stan loves that outside slider, continuously swings at it, miss okay, lifts 90% of the time. They're automatic out. Ted, they here's the problem. What is the problem? No, if the Yankees, if that happens, if the Sanchez or Stanton put their head in front of the baseball, they're probably going to be out for half of the season. <laughs> you can't do that. At least <laughs> I'll tell you two other guys. Two other guys that are really concerning me are Aaron Hicks, who's been awful. God, I mean, uh, no, we talked about this contract that you said a couple of years ago. That was a great contract. Are you coming back on those words right now? Like you said with Dwayne Haskins and stuff. Come on. Yeah. It's okay. Paul. I'll let you get you. You can say make peace with your uh, demons right now. It's still, it's still so undervalued. It really so, is. But I mean, he's yeah. his, the, the Yankees, this is the second worst start team batting average wise that the Yankees have ever had. Joe, like historically bad. The only team worse was the, and you got to understand the Yankees of the late sixties after Mantle and Ford and everybody retired. They were awful. awful. Yes. The 1968 team had a 188 batting average, 16 games. That's 1968. Don't care. This is 2021. You know, Joe, hold up. Hold up. No, wait, 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 wait. Wait, Wait, No, this gets better. This gets better. Uh, In 1966, they had a 213 team batting average. It only gets worse with these teams. The 1913, like pre Babe Ruth Yankees, 208. Uh, and the 1910, again, pre Babe Yankees, 217. This team's at 208. I mean, historically bad in Yankees history. Historically bad. Hold on. Let me ask you this, Joe. Let me ask you guys this. And is does this, with all this batting average, does it put. Boone in an extremely tough situation, like a lose-lose situation because of the fact that everybody we, we've we been complaining, oh, change the lineup. Well, when you got, hold on, I'm going to look at this roster. When you got seven or eight guys that are 200 and lower, what the hell is Aaron Boone? Like, I'll give Aaron Boone this, this part. I know I've been bashing Boone for a while now, but still, 
when you have a team that is batting 208 overall and you have about eight players that are batting 200 or lower, what is Aaron Boone supposed to do that it's putting his team in a tough situation? It's not a, it's a lose-lose situation on top of it because if he puts the wrong lineup in, he's going to get screamed at. He's going to get the fans complain. And if he does, and and these guys continue to play bad, he can't find the right lineup. So what yeah, is but, he doing in that but, situation? But, but stop putting guys that are hitting 160 in the three and four hole. I mean, that that's might true. be a start. That's if true. a guy gets, put it like this right now, if you get two hits today, you should be hitting third tomorrow. I'm just, I mean, at this point, I'm trying to ride the pine of anybody who can, who can piece two hits in a row together. I I want you at the top of the lineup. Did you stop putting, stop with Brett Gardner at the leadoff spot? Joe, they got two guys. Hold on. They got two guys that are playing, that are batting over 300, well over 300. And Higgy, and they don't even play. Their highest is Geo at 276. So even if you pull one one of those guys. Breaking news. What? Read Jason Garcia's comment. That's big news. Chiefs just traded for Orlando Brown. Wow. That is a big trade. That is a big trade. He's an all-pro type offensive lineman. One of the better left tackles in the game. And the Chiefs go and get Joe Tooney. Thank you, Jace, for that breaking news. Thank you, Ted, for that. But that is big news for a team that just got their rear ends kicked in the Super Bowl. You get Joe Tooney, probably the best offensive lineman in this free agency class. They go sign him. Now you got your left tackle in Orlando Brown, who is an emerging superstar. One of the, He's only 24 years old, and he's yeah, an all-pro tackle. tackle. And because so Ronnie Stanley, so who's even, who's even better Chiefs. than him with playing rough tackle. So I guess we'll get the Chiefs and the Bucks part two in the Super Bowl again. So, hey, so, now, the, hey, so now the Ravens have two first-round picks. Uh, so we'll see what they do. They'll have two first-round well, picks guess now. What? They better go get freaking some help for LJ8. Give them a freaking receiver. Maybe two. Maybe 20. Sure. I don't give them receivers. If you can't throw the ball. Nah, give him the chance. He has no receivers. He's like throwing darts at him. Yeah, he's like throwing darts, and he's got to hit the Yankee baseball field. Can he do it <laughs> from the but, stands? Listen, thank you, Jace, for that big news. That is big, big Sorry news. To interrupt, I just to let you know. No, that's fine. That's big news. But you look at this. You look at this team overall. It's just it's disappointing, and it puts Boone in a tough situation you because remember? you have, like I said, you have guys. You have two guys that are batting well over three hundred that are part timers right now. You would consider and Higgy and Tyler Wade. Your the next guy is Leo at 276. Even LeMayhew and Michael K said, it, even LeMayhew struggling. That's a big concern. And we've always said once they get that leadoff, when they did it back in the day, when they had LeMayhew officially as the leadoff guy, you saw how that offense took off. Now, if LeMayhew, the reason maybe is because LeMayhew, he's not getting on base either. And that's a concern for a guy that's been one of the best hitters in baseball the sense he's become a New York Yankee. Yeah. Well, Trev, do you remember the, uh, the you put out, a, I think it was a topic, I don't know, a year or two ago, you go, is Glaber eventually going to be the, the face of the Yankees? Remember? That's that's what you were thinking. That's what a lot of fa- people were thinking, Yankee fans, two years ago. Glaber was going to be the face of the Yankees, maybe the face well, of the league. I mean, he's one of the few, he's one of the bright stars in the game, you would have thought. Do you and remember when the Yankees, done. do you remember when, when Brian Cashman said he wasn't going to sign Bryce Harper because he wasn't going to sign a guy to put him at a, at a position that he didn't play? Yeah, because he had judge. But he's but he's done that a few times now. And again, you're just taking guys all willy nilly. Like, oh, I'm gonna put them over there. 
He, I mean, he's been making a lot of assumptions about things that he can do. And again, he was really clear about Bryce Harper. Can Not going to sign him to go play first base. Okay, no, fair enough. You, then you know stop doing I, that. You know what may I be my ideal uh, infield if he could play the position would be DJ at third, Geo at short, Glaber at second, Void at first. I hate that because I think that makes all the positions weaker. No, I think it makes stronger. Glaber's a better second baseman. Glaber sucked at second base. He would. Let's, let's, than let's go back. Let's go back and remember what happened when he was at second, dropping pop-ups. I thought he was worse than Andujar their rookie years. We I didn't really think he was that much better. And I'll say this. You're talking about DJ's a two-time gold glove winner at second. I, I, I'm, he plays third when he needs to. I feel like over a long season, that's not going to – you wouldn't love him at third base. He's a second baseman. That's his. Yeah. And again, I like Urshela at short. He's certainly but, athletic enough. Yeah. But again, I think reach- that that makes. I think that makes everything else weaker. I think you got to struggle and hope that Glaber gets it together at short. I don't I think weakening the other spots helps. At least he can reach first base, though. At least he can throw the ball and reach first base from second than shortstop. I'm how much? How much? How much? If you want to throw the ball like that, left. If he continues this. How much does Glaber have left if he continues to struggle at the plate and in the field? I mean, does he get do, does he get do they go after somebody at the trade deadline? Do they go after Trevor Store? Do they go after one of these shortstops that are bec- that are going to become free agents in this upcoming free agency class? I mean, I is- say no because I say no because the Yankees are not going to want to pay Trevor Story big money next year and they're going to stick with Glaber like they have done with all these other guys. They're just going to stick with the posse that they have and it, all they're going to do is little little fidges. That's it. They're going to make like an Odor move. They're not going to trade Listen. Stan. They're not going to trade Glaber. Right. They're not going to trade Gary. They're going yep. to be on the roster in October 2nd when they're in the playoffs. The roster you see now is just going to be fine-tuned and hopefully these players will play better because that's what everyone is hoping for, that this roster plays better and plays up to the expectation that we all think they should be instead of on Interstate 95 when they're all batting below the Mendoza line. Well, again, as I mentioned, the Yankees are off to a historically terrible. But again, they're getting on base. They're just not getting, they're not stringing hits together. They're not knocking runners in when it matters. Over the course of a season, it's almost impossible to keep that up. This team is too good. I mean, again, is Glaber going to hit 40 homers this year? Nah, probably not. Can he still hit 30? Yes, easily. He's got Baltimore <laughs> coming up. He could have six home runs in that series. Or so that is Baltimore. That's Baltimore's king right there. Yeah. I, but I think Teddy's right. I mean, Glaber's gonna be the shortstop till the end of the season, unless unless the fielding is to the point where it's losing games. Yeah. Where it's literally costing you games. Then you'll be like, all right, we got to do something. Again, I the idea of, of, of DJ at third, great when he needs to. I don't think he'd be a great everyday third baseman. I don't know how well Urshela would play. I mean, he's never played shortstop for any stretch in his life. No, I know. I'm just and Glaber, as I'm I said, thinking, I'm thinking outside the box. He fits at second in the first. No, I, I, I appreciate you going there. I've had that floated to me, and that was my thought. Was I think that weakens the whole rest? Of, it makes every position lesser now. And, and it's to do what? To to make yeah to make up for the fact that you made a mistake in thinking Glaber was a great shortstop or a great fielder. And as you said just last week, right up the middle, the Yankees are not in good shape. And that's a real problem. 
he came up from the Cubs system as a shortstop. I know it's that. crazy to think that like how he's been. I don't know. Maybe it's the New York crowd because getting no, getting his cool. head. You know how you know how some of these players are, especially in New York. I, I think Robbie said that before. Yeah, I know. No, it's. I mean, it's right. It, you know, I'm going to defend Gary to the end of time. But yeah, listen, don't. I've been saying this a lot lately. Look, these guys, when especially when they say Matt will pay attention to the media. Oh, okay, sure oh, you don't. I yeah. played little league, man. When I hit a home run, I couldn't wait till Tuesday to see my name in the paper. So stop it. You know you're watching. You know you're listening. And if you're not, your agent's telling you what they're saying. Listen, it's gonna get your wife's gonna call you. They're killing you. I mean, right? Blaver you're gonna, gonna hear about it. Blaver and it does get in their head. Blasted him for not running the ball out the other night. He, and knew, he responded. Yeah, they had it in a press conference. He knew and he was like, Oh, I didn't see the ball. No, you saw the ball. You you steered right at it. You were aggravated and, and pissed off that you checked swing and you hit the ball to the pitcher and that you're struggling. And it's funny because his chase rate has gone down this year from 20. What was it, 20.1% to 16%. It's similar because they had it in the game the other day. Clint Frazier swings the least amount outside the strike zone. So they're not chasing bad balls. Even I think I said earlier, even Sanchez and Stan, their, their chase rate is not – they're just not making contact. And that's the biggest I think, problem. Yeah, I just think teams have figured out the Yankees offensively. What's well, there to figure out? The Yankees don't ever hit first pitch strikes. They just don't throw fastballs. They don't, they oh, never, I, I've always seen with Judge, he just takes the first pitch and then they, they like, it's like the Pedro Serrano effect. Stole him a curveball and the Yankees always are reaching for him. They're always going for those pitches. You see Judge all the time, can't hit a slider down and away. Sanchez, Stanton, the big time guys. It's like you're starting to see these pitchers like, this is how we pitch against the Yankees. This is how you have to do it because they live and die by the long ball. Well, all a right. good thing. I got to uh, give you. I got to give you two quick things. I got to give you two quick things. Number one, got to talk about a role this Chapman. Um, fourteen consecutive release appearances with two strikeouts, at least no runs allowed. That's the longest stretch in history. In six innings of work, he's allowed two hits. He's got sixteen strikeouts. Uh, throw in Loisica, Green, Sessa, Wilson, and O'Day. They got a one hundred nine ERA with forty. Um, a thirty-three point three percent strikeout rate. I mean, they're 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 a combined strikeout. A third of the batters that they faced, the bullpen ERA is two nineteen. Chapman is has literally struck out sixteen out of the twenty-three guys he's faced. How insane is that? The Yankees bullpen. Look up the numbers. They're they're off the charts. Second one last thing I want. Yeah, one other thing I got to bring up. Garrett Cole, first pitcher with eight strikeouts or more, and two runs or less in his first four starts since King Felix back in 2014. Now, in the last oh. two years, who's got the most 10-strikeout games in all of baseball? Oh. Uh, I'm going to give you a list. Ready? Gary, Gary Sanchez. No, pitcher-wise. Max Scherzer has 17 10K games. Shane Bieber, 17 10K games. Jacob DeGrom, 16 10-strikeout games. Garrett Cole, 26, the best pitcher in baseballs in New York, and his name is Garrett Cole. Get that through your head. He's a better pitcher, and he wins games. It's amazing how you can do both. Thank you. Good night. Well, now we know. Like, like last his last game, he they lose. He loses people. Well, now we know how Met fans feel. Yeah, the when iron. You your, when you got your superstar, but when you got your Garrett superstar. Cole, pitcher, 
pitching out of light uh, out of his mind and can't get no run support. It's frustrating. Garrett Cole's better. Oh yeah, uh, Robbie brought one up too. Um, uh, Clint Frazier did 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 something weird the other night. Twice, dude. Uh, took took pitches down the middle once with the bases loaded. I mean, just standing there like, what were you sitting on? I don't get it. I don't what, know. There's, what are there's, you sitting on? Holy smokes, dude. Well, here's what kills me about this kid, right? I mean, for like three years, I'm like, let that kid play. Let that kid play. They started him, and now he's like, he seems almost disinterested. He doesn't even yeah, seem like he wants to be there. That's kind of sad. I mean, he's got, his, own, he's got his opportunity, and he's really taking advantage of the opportunity. So we'll have to see how the Yankees pan out this weekend. I mean, they start off last night with a nice victory. Let's see how they go in for the rest of the weekend. Hopefully they can try to win the series because this offense needs to get going. The pitching has done its part. Joe gave the stats. The bullpen has done its part. It's now time for the offense to do its part. And now I understand. And Boone is doing everything he can. It's just a struggle. When you have so many players that are playing at such a all-time low for their standards, when you got eight guy, multiple guys, two hundred or lower with a batting average, that's concerning. And when you have their highest batting average guy at two seventy-six, that's concerning. So it's a tough situation right now, a tough predicament for Aaron Boone as the manager of the New York Yankees to put in the right lineup. And right now, these bats are just—it's not doing it. It's not doing it, plain and simple. And they got to get it going. So we'll see how this weekend goes. Judge Stanton, back-to-back. How many times that has lineup. that actually happened? He did it once. Once Ever? this year. One no. time this year. Yeah, I mean, they he used to do it frequently. And then he decided, no, that's just too good. Let's not do that. Let's even things out for the pitchers. Again, with the idea that you can't any longer do righty lefty righty with your pitchers because you got to phase three, breaking them up with the idea that's going to happen in the eighth inning is one of those Aaron Boone overthinking everything kind of things. I would take those guys back to back any day against any pitcher, and I like my chances. We'll see how this weekend goes. We can only hope for a nice, successful weekend. For the Bronx Bombers. But we are six days away from the NFL draft. We're going to be posting our final mock draft next week. I cannot wait. Ted had to go because he has to go to work. So that's why he's not here currently. And that's why me and Joe finish it up. But we got the NFL draft next week. The NBA playoffs are starting soon. Have you been watching the NBA? Have you been watching the New York Knicks? Yeah, I'm starting starting to get back into it, baby. I love it. They are, kicking, so they are doing well. Julius Randle has emerged as a maybe a possible MVP candidate, an all-NBA player. Basketball is well, and it's alive in New York City. Can we just get the Bronx Bombers going? Because right now, it's weird. It's a weird time in New York. Maybe the Knicks the are Knicks, doing well, and the Yankees are struggling. The Knicks are sucking up all the mojo. I know. They're going to get to the playoffs. They're going to the NBA Finals this year. They're going to be Brooklyn. But there's a lot going on in the sports world. We're going to be back next week. I cannot wait. Draft week is upon us. Yankees, let's see how they go. We are streaming on all social media platforms at Keys to the City. So subscribe, comment, share, or like. And you can follow the Joseph Aguirre at Twitter, at Podcaster Joe as well, or Roll Call. He's everywhere. So whatever you want, he's around everywhere. Clovercrest Media presents Keys to the City. We are out. Yeah. 
to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know you really viewing greatness in the making. Double up on facts, we stating. Podcasting, cruise control, city, state, the nation. So what you saying? What we saying? Prime information. Facts, keys to the city. We're unlocking the statements. Streaming every Friday.